1: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back again with our morning show and I was supposed to be going solo this morning but our good friend TC, um live from Canary Wharf decided that he wanted to hop on and yeah help me out so Tom how are you doing this morning?
0: Yeah I'm doing very well mate doing very well apologies if there's any uh, background in uh, kind of noise and stuff I couldn't find a, a private spot but uh this will do. For now no, it's all good, it's all good. Private, public, uh, we're happy to have you on this morning's show. Um, how was your weekend? Good, yeah, not bad. Um, I mean, still the fallout from the pre season defeat, you know, is I think gripped pretty much everybody so far, still. And uh, we love an overreaction, uh, we yeah. absolutely love an overreaction, don't we? So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if what happens in the game on Thursday and if anything different. If we you know win that game, lose that game, whatever. But if there's any kind of reaction to it, yeah, it was annoying because I've got lots of
1: um, family friends who support Manchester United, and I was just waiting for the messages. Like my phone was just going mm. popping off, and uh, they were just getting so overexcited. And I'm just thinking it's pre-season. Just wait until September. That's when uh, the big game is. But we'll start off talking about the uh, pre-season game against Manchester United. Uh, It was a disappointing defeat. Uh, It was a disappointing performance. But what was your overall take from the game? Because as you touched on, there was a lot of overreaction. A lot of Arsenal fans Mm. probably went a bit overboard. um, But it's pre-season. There's going to be a time where Mikel Arteta needs to introduce new ideas, new philosophies into his team. He's not going to do it at the start of the season. He's not going to do it midway through the season. The best time is pre-season. So allow him to Mm. do what he's doing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think that it was just important to get out of there unscathed, to be honest. Like, Mm. (laughs) we were getting kicked off the park so ridiculously every single time we got on the ball. I mean, Saka got battered, didn't he, by Martinez, I think. Erdogan got battered by Maguire at one stage as well. Mm. Um, So it was just important, I think, to get out of there. In terms of the way we played, it weren't great. You know, it wasn't a great performance at all. Like It was really stop-start. It was really... um, I suppose the best way to put it is kind of bitty it was just really not a a, a good game from us are you concerned about you know the the Kai Havertz situation because I know that I know he scored last week but Mm. I felt as though we were really exposed in the middle um, especially with the long ball over the top that led to the first goal and then obviously they played through us Declan Rice was kind of skewed out to the left flank and then couldn't recover uh, into the middle by the time that you know Fernandez was running through and then opening space and no one closing him down so you concerned about that like That formation. (laughs) It was interesting because post match, Mikel Arteta,
1: I think he was quizzed about um, the same, the same question about Odegaard, Havertz, Declan Rice playing in the free, and his response was, "Give them fifty five games, and you'll see a more fluid midfield." But if I'm honest, yeah, (laughs) if, if I'm honest, it shouldn't be taking. 55 games um, for them to basically get accustomed to each other. It's going to take time. Don't get me wrong. I think when Jesus and Zinchenko came in uh, last season, they were already coming from a team that was settled. They were coming from a team that knew how to play football. The philosophy is quite similar in terms of Manchester City and Arsenal. Whereas this summer, we're buying Havertz, we, we've signed Declan Rice, we signed Urian Timber. They're coming from different teams, um, diff- different competitions where they played in different leagues, and it's going to take them time to adjust. However, I've been in the mindset that our best midfield three, for me, in my opinion, is Partey, Odegaard, and Declan Rice. Mm. I don't think Mikel will persist with that for some reason. Mm. This is in the back of my head. I don't think he's going to do that but if Arsenal are to challenge Manchester City and go all the way that midfield has everything in terms of party yeah. Odegaard and Rice what's your take on it?
0: Yeah I'd like to see that be the the scene that starts on Thursday against Barca just to see if it can work I mean Arteta was asked wasn't he, he was asked yeah. about whether or not they can play together and he said yes they can and that he's got a plan for different scenarios and I do think we need to evolve a bit beyond what we had with Granit Xhaka. I think Havertz is an interesting profile that if you can come good, you know, mm. gives you that, that level of attacking threat. But if you're going to use it against Man United, you need to be prepared for the fact that you're going to be a bit exposed. And we were exposed. Mm. And I think if you go to places like Old Trafford or we go to City or we go to Anfield, you know, having Declan Rice and Partey together is obviously going to be a more resolute, solid kind of midfield to use in those games. So... I'm hoping that we see Arteta kind of not be so stubborn that he has in the past with certain kind of, you know, set that he's had. He's got all these options now. He needs to be flexible. He needs to be fluid with what he chooses. So I'm hoping that we do see Rice and and Partey play together on Thursday and perhaps, you know, in some of those tougher games. But like, we have Forrest in the first game of the season. So yeah. you I think you can play Havertz and Erdegaard, yeah, yeah. and Erdegaard together with Rice or Partey in behind. Um and give you something a little bit extra. If you're like 1-0 up with 30 minutes to go, then sure, bring on Partey and be a bit more solid. Bring on Rice if you've started Partey. I think we've got that varied options that we can choose what we want to do. Do you think, I don't know if it's the right word, but do you think Havertz is
1: going to be like a flat track bully? You, you Like you've just touched on, he can play against teams like Nottingham Forest, teams at home where you expect Arsenal to get the three points and they can put on a show. I agree. I think going away from home against Manchester City, Anfield, Old Trafford, you can't afford to put Kai Havertz uh, in, in the team, in a midfield three, for example, with Odegaard, mm. with Declan Rice, because Declan Rice, as a lone uh, six, it's, it's going to be a position that he needs to get uh, used to at Arsenal, mm. because it's going to be different to how he was at West Ham. With Havertz, I'm a bit worried in terms of the intensity, In terms of, at times, he may may look a bit... I don't know what the word is, but at times he reminds me a bit of Mesut Ozil back in the day. Like He's got all the quality in the world, but intensity at times... Yeah, language. I think that's the perfect word. But I think you'll see more of Havertz when Jesus is playing as well. I think you'll get the best out of Havertz when Mm. uh, Gabriel Jesus is in the team because I think Eddie and Ketya played on the weekend and it just didn't work. I think when Jesus plays... He picks up different positions and he allows Havertz to get into the uh, final third and get into positions where the defenders are basically watching uh, Gabriel Jesus, but no one's picking up Havertz. So I think there's still a lot to work on, but no, I tend to agree. I think um, Odegaard, Partey and uh, Rice, I think that is the midfield for me. Um, mistakes, mm. TC. <laughs> Rams, though funny enough you we were talking about it um on oh, I knew Friday. you were going to yeah. bring this up <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about a Friday's show about um, world class trying to get mm. um better trying to improve trying to develop same with Gabriel as well like a lot mm. of Arsenal fans are in the mindset with Gabriel for example that he's a great player he's a top player but in a season he can cost you about five to six points because he, at times he loses that concentration
0: hmm I mean, what? Where I, I was, yeah, someone came at me and said basically like Ramsdale and Gabrielle make too many consistent mistakes um, to be considered kind of, of a world class standard. And I was like, well, I don't think they are making consistent mistakes. I think they just have mistakes in them. In them yeah. You know, I, I think with Ramsdale, you look at the last mistake before this preseason game was the Southampton game um, where he passed out. Um, but before that, it's not. Apparent, like, and it's not obviously sticking in my mind where the mistake before that was. I think you're really kind of really having to think about when the next one was. With Gabriel, it was in the Man City game at home. He made a bit of an error uh, in that one. We gave away possession and, and they scored. I think that was the Haaland goal or the Grealish goal, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think that it's, it's, not, it's not five to six. I think that's harsh. I think mm-hmm. that they gain you far more points you know, with them being in the side. I mean, yeah. you think about the saves he made at Anfield, you know, Ramsdale specifically. Gabriel's performances across kind of the middle part of the season were up there with being the best centre-back in the league at the time. And he was on the the best centre-back in the league over that period. So I think that there are really harsh criticisms of those two. I think they are still underrated as players. I think Ramsdale is a, is a very, very good goalkeeper and up there with the best in the world personally. And I think he's an easy target, a bit like Gabriel, to kind of point the finger at in terms of, oh, well, if we're going to improve a player you've got to point to those ones. And I kind of question and go, who are you bringing in that is going to is upgrade that, on Ramsdale? Yeah. I had someone suggest to me, Mike Magnon at, at yeah, uh, AC in, Milan as an option. And they said he'd get us between five and 10 more. Um, yeah, five to 10 more points a season compared to Ramsdale. Mm-hmm. I said, what? So you're going to take us by getting Mike Magnon, you're going to go from 88 points to 93 I to just... 98 points. It's not going to happen. Like You're talking about incremental increases maybe and you're going to have to invest a lot of money to get Mike in. You've invested a lot of money in Ramsdale and I think Ramsdale can compete with someone like him anyway. So I'd stick with Ramsdale, see him continue to develop and give him this opportunity at the top level because I think that he still is underrated by the most of the fan base.
1: He does need to improve on his penalty saves, doesn't
0: he? <laughs> I think penalties are just one of those things, you know, man. I just think they're just one of those things. They are... To be honest, we shouldn't be giving away penalties anyway, Mm, you know. mm. And that comes from an error anyway. But when he gets to those situations, sure, he can improve on them. Turner's a better penalty stop. So I don't sign a goalkeeper because they're good at saving penalties. Exactly. If you're signing a goalkeeper (laughs) because they're good at saving penalties, you're giving away too many penalties. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. One player I think um, that
1: we missed uh, on the weekend was Alexander Zinchenko, in my opinion. I think Mm. a lot has been said on social media over the past few months you know when Arsenal fans um, put their predicted lineups for the start of the season, I saw a lot uh, missing um, and leaving out Zinchenko, and I was like surprised. Mm-hmm. A lot of Arsenal fans at times putting Gabriel out to the uh, left back position, uh, Kirill. But for me, Arsenal's mm. best lineup has Zinchenko in it. I think he offers so much control, so much to yeah. how we play on the front foot. And when he's not playing, you see mm-hmm. Arsenal miss him a lot, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of it stems from, you know, end of last season, Saliba was injured. Our defensive record was affected by that. And I think the structure of the back four was affected by that because Gabriel was having to cover not just Zinchenko's space when he wandered, but also Rob Holding's kind of position on the field as well um, and and kind of marshal his deficiencies also. When Saliba's there, Zinchenko has got so much more freedom because Gabriel's got more Mm -hmm. freedom as well. He's got less responsibility because Saliba can handle it. I'm intrigued to see if Timber and Zinchenko can play together because they're both Mm -hmm. kind of players that can move into the midfield. So I'm not sure if that's imbalanced or not. And I think I need to see it before I can theorise whether or not it will work. I think there are question marks whether it can or not. But I think that with Ben White, still for me, the starting right back if we've got Zinchenko in the team and then you've got saliva Gabriel Zinchenko. I think it's he's such an asset to the way that we build up, we play, we force pressure on the opponent with our possession and passing. He, he's, for me, one of the first names on the team sheet when fully fit but it is that fitness that seems to be the big question, you know, at the moment regarding Zinchenko. So, And Tierney's really well liked by a lot of the fan base and I think if you play Timber, you can play Tierney 100%. in more of a traditional left-back role. So... Timber might get the best, more so from Tierney, but we've got options again. You know, we're talking about midfield. We're now talking about defence. We've got options. We just need to make sure that we maximise those options for different games. Yeah. Before we move on to uh, transfer discussion, uh, mm. what's your take on Arteta not bringing uh, on Balogun? Surely that's, that's a sign, now. I'm kind of uh, in the game. I was like, well, why? Kind of thing. I was a bit like, why have we not given him a chance? But after the game, Arteta was asked, and he said that. Players will get chances on Thursday, so if he gets more, if he gets at least a half, I'm like, okay, you've given him a chance. But there's reports yeah. this morning that Inter are preparing that first bid, so we'll see. I, I get really kind of torn on the Balogun situation because I think, like, attitude-wise, there's a few question marks. Yeah, but because I didn't like the comments he made when he first came back about not having to like fully commit and try yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, he's the better option out of the two between him and Nketiah. I got a lot of pushback from supporters when I put that out on Twitter on uh, on the Friday morning. Or not Friday morning. When did we play United? It was Saturday, wasn't it? On was Sunday morning.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, I got a lot of pushback from supporters about that who want to obviously back the manager and support Arteta's decisions and things like that. But I just think that there is more from Balogun to get than there is from Enketia. I feel like I know what I get from Enketia. Uh-huh. And when I look at City and see Erling Haaland as the striker and then Julian Alvarez is the next option, yeah. And I look at Arsenal and go, our second best option to our starting striker is Nketi. I'm just not sure, you know, that he's of the level required to challenge for a title alongside the likes of Alvarez and Haaland. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's not. Like, it's no disrespect to Eddie. Like, I agree with you. I think no. you know what you're going to get with him,
1: isn't it? Mm. You know what you're going to get with him. You're probably going to get 10 goals uh, in, in a Premier League campaign. Um, he's going to, at times, make an impact off the bench. But with Balogun, it's the unknown. It's the unknown that just makes mm-hmm. you think, like, yeah, this is interesting. What is this guy capable of doing? So, yeah, I like to see him get an opportunity against Barcelona. I think Eddie got his opportunity against Manchester United, he wasn't the best. So, uh, yeah, I want to see Balogun uh, against Barcelona. Let's see what he can do. Um, mm. let's talk transfers. Uh, Kudus team news index mm. yesterday it was quite interesting. that we, um, Chelsea seemingly a few days ago in for Kudus, um, but now from reports uh, yesterday emerging from the media, it seems that Chelsea have uh, turned their attention to Elise of Crystal Palace. So I saw a lot of comments on social media saying that Chelsea are going to be signing Kudus, they're going to be signing Elise, they're going to be signing Cherky of Leon. I can't see that happening, Mm. to to, to be honest. That's not going to happen. So
0: is this a positive for Arsenal? I think it is. Um, There's been suggestions that Arsenal have been, you know, in... This has been a player that's been on their list for quite some time, um, and that they've been interested in Kudus for quite a while. Um, there was a, there was even suggestions that I can't uh, confirm that that you know that they have been talking to the, the Kudus camp for quite some time as well. So, I think that Chelsea's moves for Turkey, for Elise. Um, wouldn't make too much sense if they were also going for Kudus because they're playing very similar roles. Yeah, But you you can't rule anything out with them because they're just it's mental true. in the market. <laughs> um, So it's really difficult to kind of preempt what they're going to do. Um, I, I hope we get Kudus because I think he'd be a really good addition to the options that we've got up top. I think he'd allow us to give Saka rest. And with Nelson's injury issues as well, it covers us in, in that role. And he can play centre-forward as well. So I think there's certainly plenty of benefits you know if we can get him in and I, I would be looking at that 40 million price tag and thinking it's a good investment for what you're going for with him so I'm hopeful on the Kudus side of things but we're still kind of waiting for kind of Arsenal to turn what is just interest and potentially just kind of behind the scenes talks into a more of a formal approach to both Ajax or the player in terms of like an offer so hopefully there's some some difference on that this week, but. With Arsenal still away in the U.S., you know, Eddie's still working behind the scenes, so we'll have to wait and see if he pulls something out of the bag. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check.
1: Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. If they're going to get one more signing in the door, I think it'll probably be um, someone that can compete with Bukai Saka. And you look mm. at Kudus; I think he can do that job. And he'll, have, he'll add so much to Arsenal's uh, attacking uh, formation. He can play in a number of positions. And mm. he's at a good age. I think Mikel Arteta, we spoke about a few days ago, Mikel Arteta, he's focused on buying players which are versatile, which can play in a number of positions, young players someone that can come in straight away, but also improve. And I think Kudus, uh, he fits the bill. Um, Kieran Tierney, he's spoken about his future um, to the media um, last night. Uh, done a number of interviews, obviously with uh, FL, uh, The Athletic. Um, and I thought it was quite a good interview, to be honest. Um, mm. In normal circumstances, you probably think if, if a player like Tierney is going to come out and do an interview, he's going to be talking about his frustration and not being part of the team. But it was not that. It was like, look, uh, I've had opportunities last season, Um, I'm here, I'm happy, I want to fight for my uh, place in the team, I'm going to get opportunities. I think that's a great mentality, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the one thing you've never ever questioned about Tierney is his mentality. You know, we might question some of his, how he fits into the team. We might question um, the seamless kind of fit into what Arteta's doing with the left-back role, we might question his injury record, um, but his, his mentality has never, ever, ever been in question. It's it's how... If he wants to move away and you look at kind of the comparison between how he's speaking and how Balogun's speaking, and you look at the difference between the two, it's stark, you know. So he's giving 100%. He's giving everything he can. If he gets a move, he gets a move. If he stays, he stays. And he's going to do everything he can in those moments to, to maximise his career. So I hope, in a way... That he stays because I think he's a bonus. I don't think we sign anybody if Tierney goes, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because we've got Kivio, we've got Tomiyasu, we've got Zinchenko. I don't think we would sign anybody at left back if he was to leave. So if we keep him, he's another option. He's somebody else we can use. Um, He's more depth to the squad. So unless we get a very good offer, upwards of £30 million, you know, I would be looking to keep hold of him at the club. You know, how do you manage it? If his contract's what? Has he got two years left on his deal? Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, if you don't sell him this summer, he goes down to one year. I mean, is it worth keeping him or... I just don't see any offers coming at the moment. You know, Newcastle mm. has gone very quiet. Villa has gone very well. quiet. Yeah. it's Yeah, it doesn't look... Oh, there was murmurs of Celtic as well, but I can't see them playing upwards of £30 million. His wages so, as well, isn't it? And his wages are upwards of £100,000 per week. So, I can't see where that story goes this summer unless things change dramatically, which they can do at the end of the window. So... So watch this space one, I guess. It's frustrating though, like on Saturday, Arteta, he
1: played Timba as in that right back Mm. position and in an ideal world, I would have loved to seen Tierney start as the left back because I think when Timba plays, I agree with you, I think Tierney can play because it's a different Mm. kind of formation, but it works because he has that ability to basically do what he's capable of doing rather than being that inverted fullback, which he's not accustomed to. But, I find it interesting that Tomiyasu started instead of him. So mm. now you're looking at Zinchenko, Kibio, Tomiyasu, and then Tierney potentially fourth choice, judging by what's happened in the preseason mm. so far.
0: Yeah, I like Tomiyasu a lot. You know, it's always been fitness that's kind of let him down at Arsenal, but I think he can play that left back role. I think he did it against Liverpool and showed that he can do it really, really well. Um, and it suits a player like Timber playing on the other side if you do play with Tomiyasu on the left. But again, yeah, I, I like you. I would have liked to have seen if Tierney's kind of full potential can be a lot. I just feel like, you know, Tierney's ceiling as a left back is surely higher than that of Tomiyasu mm-hmm. if you use them in the right way. So if you're yeah. using an inverted style, if you're using Ben White on the right, and I think Timber's, you know, an, uh, sorry, I think um, Tomiyasu would be a, a fine option in some games. Whereas if you're playing Timber, maybe you can play... Tierney more traditionally and get the maximum out of him so it's difficult isn't it to see where Tierney's future comes um successfully because you have to feel that when Zinchenko's back he's like Arteta's number one on the team sheet basically because he loves the guy so yeah. I feel as though it's still going to be a struggle when Zinchenko finally gets back fit um but we'll have to wait and see if that does change but there's so many options now Tommy Asu seems very comfortable being a player that can play at right-back, right-centre-back, left-centre-back, left-back. It's a great asset to have. So I think that Arteta wants to give him minutes to make sure he's still sharp and, if needed, whenever he's called upon coming in, you know, fresh and ready sort of thing.
1: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: It's going to be interesting
1: to see what Arteta does uh, over the next few days in the lead-up to that game against Barcelona and then, obviously, two more games before the season kicks off, Monaco and the Emirates Mm -hmm. Cup and then Man City in the Community Shield. But, TC, any final thoughts?
0: no but I'm just, I'm just looking forward to uh, obviously seeing what happens 3.30am uh, kickoff is not going to watch fine, it I do I might have to set an alarm to get up there early. Yeah, I mean, it might be an early night, early rise type thing. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, for those that are out there in the US, I can see they're having a brilliant time since so many cool yeah. videos and stuff like that. So if you are out there, continue to have fun and enjoy yourselves because, uh, you know, you don't know when it's going to come back around another pre-season tour. It could be next year. It might be another two, three years away. <laughs> yeah. We never know. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah,
1: no, I agree. Let's, let's, see, let's see what Arsenal do over the next few weeks. But yeah, I can't wait for the start of the Premier League season. The days are counting down. But yeah, if you have enjoyed the show, folks, make sure to drop a like, comment, subscribe. Uh, We're going to have more content over the coming days. So yeah, keep those notifications on. But TC, thank you as always. Pleasure. Yeah, if you have enjoyed the show, folks, drop a like, comment, subscribe and keep following us down. The Arsenal way.